Hello and welcome as you join us on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching programme, and as usual with Bible study teacher Brian Johnston. We're in the upper room again with study number six in this eight-part series, and this time we look at more of the teaching the Lord Jesus gave to his disciples in that upper room. Not long afterwards, our Lord endured a terrible death on the cross. And Brian's called this series, No Room for Doubt. And today, as Brian told us last week, we consider the upper room as a plant room. The plant being how Christ described himself as the true vine. So let's go to Brian now to take up the theme. Thanks, John. In the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, Christ now pictures himself as the vine and calls on us to remain in him just like branches in an ordinary vine, so to be alive to the presence of God wherever we are. The emphasis in this chapter is on communion rather than union. When Christ spoke those words at the opening of John chapter 15, saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser, he was talking in terms of the potential fruitfulness of our day-to-day relationship with himself. The point is so graphic. Apart from the vine, a branch can do nothing but shrivel. And equally, if we live apart from Christ day by day, we can't be what God wants us to be as Christians. Our lives as Christians are not inevitably going to be fruitful for God. Every branch in me, Christ says, that does not bear fruit, he takes away or he lifts up. One vineyard owner says, new branches have a tendency to trail down and grow along the ground. We lift them up and wash them off. They don't bear fruit down there. They get coated in dust. When it rains, they get muddy and mildewed. Possibly that's the best way to understand what the Lord's saying here. The same word meaning takes away is often translated as lifts up in our Bibles. And so the picture becomes this. In the same way as new branches have a natural tendency to head off in less productive directions and require redirecting, so we at times need to have our energies channeled in more productive directions. The Lord Jesus next focused his attention on branches or believers who were already producing some fruit when he said, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. One gardening report that my attention was drawn to told me grapevines can become so dense that the sun cannot reach into the area where fruit should form. It seems that, left to itself, a grape plant will always favour new growth over more grapes. From a distance, growth is an impressive achievement, but up close, it makes for a less than impressive harvest. Maybe like me, you've been saddened to observe an experienced Christian whose life, when viewed close up through the lens of a crisis experience, seems to display little evidence of an intimate relationship with Christ. Is it not, sadly, our human tendency that we like to keep up appearances, we like to project an impressive image, to display, as it were, the leaves of our accomplishments? But the Lord comes up close scrutinising our lives, seeking for fruit. 
There's always the real possibility that any one of us can have seasons of abundant foliage, but underneath that outward show, there's little real fruit for God. This will only be a problem if we don't react to the divine gardener's actions. And what's that action? The gardener's action is to cut away unnecessary shoots, because the purpose of the branch is to bear grapes. Gardeners tell us that because of the grape's tendency to grow so vigorously, a lot of wood must be cut away each year. So the dedicated grape producer has once again to go against the plant's natural tendency. An extract from a horticultural bulletin runs like this. The ability to produce growth increases each year, but without intensive pruning, the plant weakens and its crop diminishes. Mature branches must be pruned hard to achieve maximum yields. There we have it, the painful reality, also for us as believers. The more mature, the more cutting. But then it's fruit, more fruit, and even much fruit. The Lord wants us to build a fruitful relationship with himself, so he uses the testing of our faith, the season of the pruning shears. If the newer, fruitless branch needs redirecting, then the maturer, partially fruitful branch needs a reduction of self. Living after the Spirit and not after the flesh will ensure we have more spiritual fruit and less branch, that is, less of ourselves, visible. Still the Lord wasn't finished. He who came that we might have life in all its fullness added, He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. This is the point at which the Lord introduced the vital matter of our abiding, or our remaining in him as the true vine. In opening, we described the action of abiding as being alive to the presence of God in our midst wherever we are. Unsurprisingly, abiding is all about the crucial connection, which is the meeting of branch and vine. The branch with the largest, least obstructed connection will have the greatest potential for fruit. The branch is totally dependent on the vine through that point of meeting. Fruitfulness is fundamentally about our relationship with him. If we're abiding, we'll be fruitful. So far, what the Lord has taught us is this. If the newer, fruitless branch needs redirecting and the maturer, partially fruitful branch needs reduction, then the branch aspiring to be abundantly fruitful needs to rediscover relationship with him as the primary source of satisfaction in the Christian life. Our energies may be channeled in the right direction. Our appetite for worldly things may be reduced. But is there the same dependence as in earlier days? We ought never to think that we can outgrow that need for total dependence on Christ. The Lord emphasises the point again and again by raising the issue of abiding no less than ten times here in John chapter 15. It's on this matter of abiding, that is, remaining in Christ, that an interesting thing happens. The responsibility for spiritual fruitfulness in our lives now shifts from the gardener to the branch itself. Yes, it shifts to us. It'll take place in the measure we get ourselves out of the way and allow God's word to get to work in us. When the Lord spoke of abiding in him, he twinned that expression with his words 
abiding in us, John 15 verse 7. It hardly seems possible that we can experience the one without the other. Earlier in John's Gospel, the Lord Jesus gives us a clear description of what it's like when people fail to allow his words to abide in them. He said to the Jews, you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. The Lord's words to the Jews in John chapter 5 from verse 37. Branch-like intimacy and dependence develops through Bible reading and prayer that changes our desires so that they become his desires. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. For it's then that the longings we express in prayer are found to be in line with God's will, leading us to expect to see answers in our prayers. And when that praying is in relation to the Lord's work that we are engaged in, this links up with fruitfulness to God in our lives, and so our Heavenly Father is glorified. Verse 8. There's constant nourishment to be found in God's Word and its teaching. God's Word has work to do in us. That's what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. God's Word has work to do in us. And this is vital for spiritual nourishment, vital for intimate relationship with the Lord, and vital for fruitful living. By their fruits you will know them, the Lord said. We look for the primary fruitful characteristics of love and joy, Galatians 5.22. Before the gospel begins to bear fruit through us, it will bear fruit in us. In connection with our testifying, as we've just introduced there, Jesus then describes the Spirit, our helper, proceeding from the Father, John 15 verse 26. This seems to refer to more than his historic descending at Pentecost. Just as the Son is always at the side of the Father or face to face with him, this has been taken to mean that the Spirit continually proceeds from the Father. Father, Son and Spirit are not divided in being or in work or in power, but they are eternally differentiated. The Father is the Father of the Son. The Son is the Son of the Father. And the Spirit is the Spirit of the Father, Matthew 10, 20, and the Spirit of the Son, Galatians 4, 6. He's sent by the Son and proceeds from the Father. And so, as we now prepare to leave the plant room for the function room, Jesus concludes this delightful section on practical devotion with that mention of profound theology.
verse 3 of the hymn we've just heard is like a prayer, and I'll just quote it. May his spirit, wise and holy, with his gifts our spirits bless. Make us loving, joyous, peaceful, rich in goodness, gentleness, strong in self-control and faithful, kind in thought and deed. For he saith, what you do for others you are doing unto me. So, may it be so, to God's glory. Now, as usual, I remind you again, there's a book of all the talks in this series. You can obtain a copy by downloading it at churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Or you could write to us instead and ask for a hard copy book to be posted out to you. Just ask for the book title, No Room for Doubt, and be sure to tell us your postal address. You can use email or the post, but first, here's our postal address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And did you know that by going to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com you can actually download programmes onto your own device and re-listen at a more convenient time. Well, our time's almost gone. But thanks for spending time with us once again. It's been great to enjoy your company. Next time, the upper room will be the function room. So join me to find out what that means. But now I must say goodbye and leave you with very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, producer David, our singers and me, John. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.